0: So a nail gun, possibly, or a shovel. was is quite good. Mm,
1: yeah, you could have both. That'd be a good combo because you have the range thing then with the nail yeah. gun. And 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 the shovel could also work as a shield. Yeah, because you have got, got to a... think about the reload speed of the nail gun. Because if you miss, like if it's like a it's
2: not one nail at a time. If it's if you don't put one nail at a time. You have like a. Like an old <laughs> a semi-automatic, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's, that's what they are, semi-automatic, that's exactly they? what they are. Yeah. It's
0: like a Gatling gun.
2: Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. Oh gosh. Yeah, yeah. Hello and welcome to the First Solution podcast, the podcast that brings you interviews with leading personalities in the southwest talking about a wide range of topics including business, tech, sport, sustainability and much more. Today we're pleased to bring you our chat with a dear friend of First Solution, Peter Quintana of HGKC. Peter is a leading light in the Southwest business community and HGKC has a number of initiatives and consultancy services that helps companies and business people reach their goals and aspirations. As usual, we cover a huge range of topics at a fast pace. We get some real insight from Peter on how businesses have coped during the pandemic how to plan in such chaos, and how risk can actually be a competitive advantage. We change up our famous versus battles this week, and we discuss who wins a fight between King Kong and Godzilla, and we find out what weapons Peter would bring to our deadly garden equipment battle royale. So without further ado, over to the recording. So thanks very much for coming on, Peter. Delighted to have you here. My pleasure. How are you? pretty good well, under the circumstances I would say. yeah good actually yeah it's good good to be here it's good to be out and uh and, and how's business going let's we'll start there
0: well interestingly over the last 2 or 3 weeks we've got really really busy so i think all all that kind of pent up energy from lockdown suddenly is has, has uh, opened up um, we signed an interesting referral story we signed a, a client two weeks ago from a referral over two and a half years ago. Oh, wow. So, they're, um, they're a systems engineering company. All right. And when we first sat down with them, uh, they were really busy, growing really fast, pretty hectic, pretty chaotic, but they had this big project starting in Canada and they were just too busy to do anything else. Mm-hmm. So off they went for that. Three years later, they come back, having grown tenfold per annum since, and they have all the same problems that they had before. Of course. So we have a Ten really... Sometimes
2: it's bad. Well, it depends how you handle it, of course, <laughs> <Yeah>. but
0: <clears throat> but it can be pretty pretty uh, chaotic. Yeah. But yeah, so th- they have all the same problems that they have before. I mean, they're a largely freelance workforce. They want to be a largely employed workforce. So there's a big organisational development mm. programme that we're going to do with them, mm-hmm. change, people change program. So... So that's great. I had a really nice uh, prospect call this morning. That's going to turn into a small amount of business to begin with. Um, but, um, we ran a roundtable table week before last on employee ownership trusts, about four leads from that. So, right. so things are, we're getting busy, which is nice.
1: So, I, and I've been a, a regular attendee at your, your round tables. So um, the last one we did was online. Is that correct? Yeah, well, we've been running online since yeah. March, but yeah, so yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and how have you found the dynamics changed? Um, you've got to be a bit more concise because
0: it's online. So when we were running in the real world, we were running. I mean, you came to the acquisition one in October. That was a half a day plus lunch, mm. and we can't, you can't do that online. It's just too long. So now it's an hour, hour and a half. Uh, we have an interview, then discussion, then a plenary. Keep it short and sharp. But generally speaking, they've gone okay. We get quite good take up um, yeah, they're okay, and I, I, I just think you've got to be you've got to be quite disciplined in the way you manage them mm. because when you're on zoom or teams or whatever, you can't have more than one person talking because nobody can hear I mean, you can't really have more than one person talking when you're in the room with, with other people, but it's even harder when you're on those kind of video calls mm. so you've just got to be a bit more. A bit more disciplined about it, but by and large, actually, we found online meetings are, are quite effective because people generally have figured out. I mean, I remember. Do you remember when video conferencing first came in? Yeah, do yes. I mean, yeah, it was yeah. everybody was on their best behaviour, um, and it was it was a big deal to be in a you know, in a video conference. Yeah. And now, I'm just doing it four or five times a day, and mm-hmm. and it's okay if the dog happens to walk on your lap or. The doorbell goes, and you've got to pop off to open the door because you were you were going from home. It just seems to be a completely different well, mindset about it. I think people have people have realised that actually you have a home as well, and you have a home life. It's quite interesting mm. to see that
1: that Br- change brings an element of their own personality sometimes into it, doesn't it? Yeah. When you hear the dog going or whatever, you know the, the cat yeah. jumping on the and lap. You, way, you are literally it? being invited to, into people's homes, aren't you? Mm. Yes. Yeah
2: how do you measure the effectiveness though because you know we all do this stuff to create outcomes either for selfish reasons or to benefit the customers the people that are attending so for selfless reasons how do you measure the effectiveness because we've been forced into the position really i mean and we're you know we're british and we're quite stoic in that respect and you know have a cup of tea and get on with it really but how do you, you know how do you measure effectiveness
0: I mean for are you talking about roundtables I mean yeah, roundtables
2: in particular
0: roundtables are a business development tool for us yeah so they're not overt marketing yeah but we measure them by the number of clients we get directly from introductions into roundtables and we work typically we work with collaborators and everybody brings people we collaborate to bring people into the roundtable mm-hmm. So it's a good way of getting introductions and referrals that you might otherwise not get. I mean, for what we do, actually, that's sometimes it's quite difficult for a referral partner to to go up to a business owner and say, do you want to talk to a a consultant or a business coach? Because they'll say, well, my business is fine. I don't need to be, you know. (laughs) So it can be quite difficult, and especially if that's not actually what you're in talking to the client about. So if you're in talking to them about payroll services or employee benefits or IT often you're not talking to the right person that I want to talk to anyway because I want to talk to the owner and even if you are talking to the owner the owner's not necessarily expecting you to say how's the business going are you growing do you want some help you know that kind of thing so it's a difficult conversation so we hit upon this this is a way of an easier way of people making introductions for us and it's worked pretty well we started running them probably four years ago we used to run them over lunch at the Bath Priory Hotel. Oh, my
2: favourite hotel, yeah. and my wife's so favourite hotel. You get a Michelin-starred lunch, yeah, silver yeah, service, and a beautiful terrace.
0: Yeah, yeah, it was fantastic. And we were really lucky that the year well, we ran there for, I think, for two years, every time we went, weather was beautiful. Don't mm. know why, but it mm-hmm. just was. Mm. Even when there was snow on the ground, it was blue skies yeah, and sunshine. Yeah. So, so my opening gambit every time was, um, you know, welcome to the Priory as usual. Yeah, <laughs> the, the weather's glorious. Uh, and, but 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 coming back to the question, we measure their effectiveness by how much business we win from them.
2: Of course.
0: So for us, one client per roundtable is great. Not sure we've got that completely, but we're not far off of that.
2: Even with even with the reversion to virtual, it's kind of maintained that yeah. delivery. That is good. Yeah. That is good. But that that makes it more effective because it's less resource intensive, isn't it?
0: Yeah and I think uh, I mean as we've said this is not a sales pitch. Mm. It's an opportunity for prospective clients to see us demonstrating our knowledge and expertise. Mm. That's what it is. And actually people engaging with us are engaging with us for exactly that purpose. Mm. If they if they don't think we know much or don't think we've got much expertise particularly around business or around aspects of the business of business then why would they engage with us? So We can sit in there and talk knowledgeably about innovation or business risk, as we did last week. Exit planning, STEM recruitment. Um, What else have we done? Entrepreneurial mindset. We've done several on innovation, and people have said, "Oh, actually, these guys know a little bit. Let's have a conversation." Mm. It's worked.
1: And I think what you've you've done there, Pete, is you've created a bit of a community. Um, You know, and we've been part of that. So and I'll, I'll give them a shout out, so David and Charlie Stockford at, at Sustain It, that's how First Solution and, and those guys met up and they're a, a customer and a, and a partner now, all, all through, through, through your endeavors, Peter, really. So, yeah. So it's, um, I think it's one of the
0: great, the great stories about roundtables and book clubs and, and the other things that we do is when we see people that we've invited in there, get their heads together and say actually there's an opportunity for us to do some business as well mm. we don't necessarily get anything out of that but that doesn't matter yeah. it's about helping the business world go around isn't it? It and, you, and I think you're right the, the idea of a, a community a business community it's um, always been quite a strong ethos for us yeah. that we want to create that around us
1: mm. Mm. and what do you feel of the of the business community in uh in Bristol and in Bath what's your view on it do you think it's thriving do you think it's I think sometimes compared Cheltenham which we're quite involved with um, because it's especially Bristol it's bigger so perhaps it's um, you know not a place where everyone knows everyone Um, what's what's your kind of view I think that's probably true I don't think it's a place
0: where everybody knows everybody else in in Bristol although there are communities that are building up Mm -hmm. Um, we network quite extensively. So through those networks, you build up a, a group of people that know each other and there's overlap between networks.
1: Mm.
0: So, but I think, um, I don't know. I, I think in Bath, people know each other a lot because mm. it's smaller. You know, if I go to a Bath Life Network lunch, which I used to, I haven't been to them for ages, obviously for obvious reasons, cause not, but they are running them online now. But um, But you go there and you see similar people and they would all know each other. Not just through coming together at that network lunch. So I think in places like that where you've got quite a small, tight knit, tight knit community that people know each other well, um, Bristol perhaps less so. Cheltenham I can imagine is, is, is more tight.
2: Like that, yeah. really. um,
0: but in terms of in terms of the places, I think they're thriving business wise. I mean, it depends what sector you're in. Clearly, and and, and if we talk pre lockdown, mm. you know, in in the Bristol area, if you were in green energy or tech. Or um some of the professional services you you'd be thriving yes
2: right yeah, yes. you got that sense, didn't you, with all the development around the docks and just you know the Friday afternoon street markets, the food street markets that although it just gives you a sense of the, the thriving nature of the community, really mm. Hustle on the bus yeah. yeah i i mean i think I think
0: bristol's a really i I really like Bristol as a city. Mm. I mean, it's got its, its downsides and its rough, rough edges, but every city has that. But but it but it is that there's that edginess around it mm. about it. You know, and I think the street markets and the, and as you say around the dots that that illustrates that really nicely. And then you've got Spike Island and Creative or whatever it's called a little bit further down. I and mean, there are some really exciting businesses in those places. Mm. It feels young, doesn't it? And
2: it feels up and, coming, up and right? coming, and that's exactly what it is, isn't it? It, is, it, is, it? Is up and coming?
0: Yeah, well, you've got you've got two big universities in there, Bristol and UWE, mm. uh, with their business schools. So there's a there is a, a strong student um, community there, mm. and quite a few of those students stay. So it's a little bit different from Bath. I mean, there's a there's a strong student community in Bath, but a lot of them leave afterwards because there isn't the work. Mm. And that I think I mean I I I've been at Bath University. Events where where it's been they've been talking about how can they how can they create an environment in the city that keeps the students there mm. you know because some good people that aren't uh, you know they disappear up to London I mean I suppose that people are disappearing everywhere up to London for or were maybe it's the other direction. cheltenham
2: has got the same problem. It's a bit of a brain drain, isn't it? You know, uh, I mean the whole of Ireland had the problem not so long ago where people just evacuated. Uh, but I think as long as it's recognised and people are working hard towards. Trying to do something, then eventually they'll create a positive outcome for themselves, won't they? Yeah. Mm.
0: yeah. And there and there are lots of good businesses around. You know, we find with the work that we do, we're 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 always looking out for businesses that are showing the the sorts of signs that we might think, well, they look they look really interesting. Looks like they they could they could do with maybe a bit of help. Um, but they're are they're, they're all over, and they're in lots of different sectors i do like the, the sector i particularly like um in um, in bristol is the manufacturing and engineering sector okay. some really exciting businesses right rolls royce and bristol Hilton. cars and filtering yes. yeah there's a lot of history a lot of engineering history there so there's some tasty businesses around and are you
1: seeing innovation starting to come through is that kind of what you mean in terms of they're interesting um yeah i mean i think businesses generally, and we were
0: talking about this earlier, the the, the the key to getting out of these rather unusual times is is you've got to be agile and thinking about how can you change your business, because the business world is changing. Some companies will have lost their target market completely. Some companies will, I suppose, lost their mojo a little bit, because mm-hmm. cause it's been... But for some, for some people, it's been quite tough, hasn't it? Absolutely. It's been quite tough.
2: I mean, you spoke about doing a roundtable on crisis management. What, what, did that, what, did, what did that consist of?
0: Uh, planning, basically. Planning, right, yes. Planning and leadership. Yeah, yeah. We've done a lot on planning over the last few months. Okay. It's been a fairly consistent message. I mean, even a couple of weeks ago, uh, uh, one, of my, one of my colleagues and I were invited onto Western Chambers um, webinar where we were, we were asked to talk on planning in uncertain times you know I mean it's planning planning and planning mm. and it's amazing always amazes us how reluctant some business owners are to have a written plan right it's quite extraordinary right quite extraordinary mm. and the, the, the response often is how can I possibly plan because I don't know what's happening Well, <laughs> when do you know what's happening <laughs>
2: Oh, cart, chicken, egg. Yes.
0: Yes. Yeah. But it just seems, I mean, actually, pre-referendum, we've been in this situation where certain, certain business owners seem like they're paralyzed by the fact mm-hmm. that there is so much uncertainty. Mm-hmm. And I've been, I've been working for a good many years and I don't remember a time when somebody hasn't said things are changing faster than they've ever changed before. Yeah. I think that's been the case for the last 40 years. Well, it's just
2: accelerated and it continues to accelerate, well, I, I, doesn't it? I
0: think the nature of the changes are quite are significantly, perhaps more mm-hmm. fundamental than they've mm-hmm. ever been. You know, I mean, we, it was only 12 years ago when we all went through the financial crash. That was pretty, pretty robust, wasn't it? Then in 2010, the, the hung parliament, that was pretty serious. Mm-hmm. And then we had the referendum. Everybody thought it was going to be a yes and it wasn't. Then we had the touch and go over whether we'd actually get that transition agreement out. And now we have the pandemic. But actually on top of the pandemic you've got a u.s election who knows what's going to happen Mm -hmm. there you've still got a u.s china trade war as far as i know yes i don't hear very much about it about it in the news anymore but it's still going on and we've got brexit exit with no deal again (laughs)
2: it's
0: like
1: yeah i'm starting to feel a bit (laughs) bit (laughs) paralyzed i'm
0: just not going to bother planning yeah so so people but people are saying okay how can i plan when i don't know what's going on but actually the reality is. You know, normally you, you might plan a year, even two years, maybe even three years ahead, and then and then adjust on a regular basis. Now you plan a week yeah. or a month.
2: Yeah, yeah, and so, I think that's and that's okay. That's, that's okay. W- that's what we did when it all kicked off. We kind of came together as a team and we uh, agreed that we needed to do more. We needed to get better. Uh, in our business development capability we needed to take better care of our customers uh, and we agreed uh, strategies and methods for doing that and then we went away and implemented them and I think as a consequence of just having the thought and the energy and the courage to do that has made a massive difference for us I mean it's been it's been brilliant we've come out really strong Mm. Uh, you know there'll be some announcements over the course of the next couple of weeks that I think will move the business on significantly Uh, but it's because at that moment of crisis we didn't withdraw we kind of we kind of stepped straight into it and said right well we need to get some stuff done let's set about getting that stuff done and I won't bore you with the detail uh, but it's worked yeah it's worked it's been brilliant Mm. yeah yeah
0: oh good i mean have you have you have you moved digital forward as well
2: well that's what some of the announcements are going to be around I and mean, we had a call uh with a lady that we're working with he's also from bristol funnily enough who's kind of supporting our efforts in terms of what next around that uh, but the organization's been formed you know we've done we've done taking some other actions that will be announcing shortly so the digital pieces is, has is moved forward quite significantly uh, just because there was that ambition and the crisis gave us an opportunity to realize the ambition really mm. so good
0: yeah this yeah. this was the exact theme that we were talking about at last week's roundtable on business risk how did, do you treat risk as a threat or an opportunity mm. you know there was a, there was a I think Ernst and Young came out with a white paper a couple of years right. ago, you know, risk is, the, is, is, is one of the new uh, sources of competitive advantage. If, you, yeah. if, you're, if your board is looking at risk as looking for the opportunity in risk rather than just thinking, well, how do I mitigate this threat or how do I transfer this threat to somebody else, yeah. which is often what people are doing, if you're looking at it with that, other, that other way around, you can get phenomenal competitive advantage simply because you are I mean you've got to be measured in how you re- how you take those opportunities clearly so you you can still put business cases and things like that together but actually if you're thinking about it and analyzing it in the right way why shouldn't you Absolutely, it's, it's, it is a new competitive arena
2: yeah I mean the conversation for us was uh you know there's some measures within organizations uh, that operate like we do some financial measures that is a real benchmark of your well-being and health and ours are good Uh, but what we know is that others aren't so you know I think out the back of the furlough scheme we're going to see some of our competitors locally just going to the wall Mm. just because they won't be able to survive once the furlough scheme withdraws they'll be gone Uh, but we're primed and primed and ready to take advantage of that because we worked hard during the crisis to do the stuff that maybe we were ignoring because we were busy with the day to day stuff so we kind of dotted the i's and crossed the t's if you like uh, and we we're all ready to take advantage of it you know kind of
1: but is, is the theme is is it a bit about and I think you touched upon it earlier you mentioned it at one of your events about mindset yeah 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 it's
0: glass half full or glass half empty isn't it i mean (laughs) as simple as that isn't it yes yeah
1: yeah. (laughs) not quite half full
0: (laughs) yeah i i think so i think it is about about attitude about whether as a as an owner and a, a a leader of a business you're prepared to to stand up really that's what it comes down to at this at this point really it does so if you've taken that view no, I That's courage. That's courageous. That's yeah. a, that's a, that is a that is a strong trait of leadership, and that's good.
1: Yeah.
0: And and the reality is, as you exa- exactly as you said, there will be businesses that will fail over the next few months. I think next year could get quite ugly, depending on the sectors that you're in. It could get quite ugly, but that means for those business owners that are prepared, there's opportunity. There's yeah. all opportunities come out of recessions and crises all the time, don't they? Mm.
1: Indeed. So, could you tell, tell us a bit about your book club? I've not. Man- you've invited me. I've not managed to come on yet. No. I'd be interested to know more. So, you read some odd books, <clears throat> more. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 So. We read business books. Oh. Right, exactly. <laughs> so,
0: but I mean, we've always, we've always recommended books to the clients that we work with. Always have. So, we used to have. When we first started, there was a book list on our on our website, which we used to update every now and again with new recommended book books and so forth and It was actually kim's one of king Kim's dreams was that we would run a a business book club for people and um we started off in gosh when was it it was in twenty eighteen maybe the first one we read Legacy. Which is the story of the All Blacks. Oh well. Man. And their special guest was Todd Blackadder.
2: Oh gosh, right.
0: Ex All Black and yeah. coach of Bath Rugby. Crusader. <laughs> right.
2: well, <laughs> I've friend. shared a horse with Todd Blackadder yeah. at Lockman Park, but that's another story for another day. <laughs> <laughs> He's indeed. Lovely bloke. He's a really lovely. He's bloke, a top man, he? man, yeah. Yeah. Uh, he, he
0: did man. a he did a really good job for us at Bath, I think, and left. Probably earlier than anybody expected him mm. to go last year, mm. but he got he got a, an offer he couldn't refuse in mm. Japan. Right. Um, but he did he did good work for us, and we were we, we struggled a bit after Mike Ford. Right.
2: Um, so did Todd leave, or was he put? I got that. He left. He did. He did leave. Yeah. Right. Yeah.
0: I went to um, they run Q and As for season ticket holders every now and again. I went to one shortly after the announcement, and um, what's his name? The um, Tarquin was there. He's the MD, right. and Todd was there, and they they were there was no there was no animosity at all. Yeah. And and Tarquin made a point of saying look, you know this was an offer that you couldn't refuse. We understood that, and we've helped you to to I think even encouraged him to take it. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, but he'd done. He put some good foundations down for us, yeah. which which I think was good. So results on the field weren't always what we wanted, but yeah, but actually. You know the foundations are pretty good, and there's some good good young players coming through as as part of some of the some of the things that he did. So, but yeah, so that was the first one. We ran that in Bath, and then we started alternating between Bath and Bristol, and we just started to build up a, a network, as you put it, a community of people um, who who come on a regular basis to to book club, and we've got one one chap who is um, uh, well, he's a, he's a network contact of mine. But he uses it for his personal development, and that means you know we've read some pretty interesting books. I think Sinek, um, uh, the Wise Pivot, which was the Accenture book around innovation on the layers of innovation. Oh well, wow. um, which is excellent. So, I mean, it's. I think one of the things that we're really good at, Kim and I are really good at, is picking up books like that where the case studies are all big business case studies, and seeing what we can apply in the small business arena. So we nice. get a lot of new thinking out of out of things like that. So wise pivot we did. We did. Um, uh, uh, what's it called? Goodness, I can't remember the name of the book we just okay. done. Fearless well, leader, I think it was called right, something like that. But again, it was that was um, that was also that was a Bain and Co. They were they were the um, the uh, senior c- uh, consultants for Bain, and that was filled with case studies on Netflix and you know. Um, AB Invar, the Brazilian mm-hmm. brewery, about how they'd scaled and how they'd done, th- done things differently. Um, it was all about um, the internal challenges for, for businesses that are scaling. So businesses that are growing, they've got an external marketplace in which they've got to compete, but the things that kill them are almost always internal.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, it's about leadership, people, the way you're organised, structures, all of those kinds of things. So it was re- that was really interesting. And we did, so we did Wise Pivot. We did Story 10X, which is about how you build a narrative around what, what you want to do in terms of change. And then we did, I think it's called the Fearless Fearless Leader, I think it's called, or Fearless Business or something. I can't remember. You me just check. <clears throat> and um, those three, all of them are about innovation, really. And they've been—they've been a really interesting series of books to do.
1: Mm. But I think that you—I think identified there is that, you know, you can take you know all this quite high concept stuff. Um, you can talk about, you know, the Netflixes, the Ubers, the things like you know the organisations like that and the innovation they're providing. But it's making it mean something for a small business because it can feel a little bit too abstract can't it
0: yeah uh, and i think it you know often the, the the if the authors especially if they're american authors they're giving it the you know the the yeehaw
2: <laughs>
0: so you, you do have to read through between the lines i mean story 10x by michael margolis that's in two parts the first half is all about him really and how he how he got to to be the wonderful author and consultant that he is and the second half is about the process for, for building a, a a strong narrative, particularly a strong narrative about, uh, you know, a change or an innovation or something like that. And I read the first sort of quarter of the book and thought, this is just dreadful. I skipped the halfway, read the second half in detail. So we we treat, our, our books are always treated as working books. So they've got underlines and scrolls and notes right. and little post-it notes stuck into highlight pages and things like that. So if you looked at that after first read, The second half was packed with stuff and the first half I had hardly anything in it. And then we did book club and I was honest in the book club and so I I skipped through the first half because I thought it was really dull and somebody else on there who'd read it said, how could you have done that? The first half was so good. And and she showed me her her over Zoom and all of the notes and the schools were in the front half and hardly anything in the second half. So I thought, I need to read this again. So I did, I read it again and, and she was absolutely right. I think... I think what had happened in the first half is I just got bored with reading the American yeehaw stuff all the yeah, time. Yeah. But once you can, if you can get through that, Beyond it. actually there is a really solid process in there. And the first thing about narrative is you. If you can't anchor yourself in why you're doing something, why would anybody else buy into what you're doing? it's got to come from you it's got to be authentic you know so Mm -hmm. so what he'd done in the book is exactly what he's telling everybody to do except he'd done it in a in a way that you know us Brits might think do you know what just be a bit quieter there (laughs) (laughs) but no they've been really good and we've got we've now got a regular set of people who come now we we buy the we buy the book but we make it very clear if you haven't read it you can't come
2: there's no point coming, is there? The, yeah, yeah, yeah. And the
0: book isn't the book club is not. You know, I read this book. I thought chapter two was really good. Yeah. It's not like that. It's not all the style or what. It's not supposed to be about. That. It's about how you applied what you've read in your business. Okay. Or how you'd like to apply what you've read in your business and a discussion then around that. And the discussions are quite extraordinary. I mean, we run them for two hours, and I always think sort of twenty, thirty minutes in. How on earth are we going to get through two hours in this?
1: Yeah.
0: And then suddenly the conversation would just kind of take a, a tangent somewhere, and you just don't. It's, I mean, the book club we did on, on the Simon Sinek one, the, his new book, was just an incredible conversation that was just so broad about
1: all sorts of things. What
2: is the same Simon Sinek's book? What, what is that?
1: Oh, I haven't read it, but. Mm. Three words, isn't it? Yeah, it's the one
0: about. Um, uh, oh, it's called the Infinite, the Infinite Game. I
1: Google
0: it. Yeah. It's it's about um, long term business, business okay. for the long term. Yeah, yeah. It's called, I think it's called the Infinite Game. It's really good. It's well worth reading. Really, yeah. really, really, really good. I mean, Sinek is easy to read anyway. and yeah. But but again, right at the core of that is the why.
2: Why are you doing it? Yeah,
0: people don't buy what you do, they buy why you do it. That's his big thing. That was his big TEDx um, thing. Um, And this is about building the business for the long term. So not building a business to sell in five minutes, but building a business that's going to survive for as long as you want it to survive.
1: Generation. Yeah, start with why. That was what I was talking about. Yeah, that's the early one. Infinite Games. That's a new one, is it? Yeah, the
0: Infinite game came out last. I think we got it we ran that one in October last year and it had only just been published so we try and be you know quite leading edge if we can not always sometimes we go back and and uh, uh, and uh, read something else but we don't tend to go back and read old classics because most people have read those already so good to great it's a great book but it's been out for so long that most people have read it if they're interested in reading business books you know
1: how to win friends and influence people (laughs) Yeah, and, and start with why, so the habits it? of highly effective <coughs> people. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, <coughs>
0: they're great books, it, yeah. but really most it. people who are interested in in reading business books will have read them or at least be familiar with them already. If they if they haven't read the book, they might have read the paper that was published in Harvard or wherever they published yeah, yeah, them. Yeah. So, um, but we always try, we try and read books that people can apply.
2: Yeah, I because mean, they say I, I'm not a big reader, uh, and I never have been really. Uh, but they say a book a week you know and maybe that's the adverts for some of the audio books I'm telling you Amazon maybe maybe. yeah yeah but if you do too much reading if you read too many business books the advice within them is often varied uh, and particular to that individual's experience or the people's not get muddled? Do they, does their thinking not become a bit muddled and a bit blurred?
0: I think it can do. I mean, I think you're absolutely right. If you're reading that... I mean, I don't read a book a week. Right, okay. Um, we run book club probably every couple of months. Yeah. <clears throat> but I think the difference is that we get a dozen people around the table to talk about it. So you take out of that... You probably take out of the conversation more than you take out of reading the book because mm-hmm. you're sharing. Yes. And you're sharing the application rather than the word, as it were. So it's a lone
1: activity, isn't it? Reading a book and getting diverse opinions on that subject is is really and interpretations.
0: It's the interpretation of it. We we had a we had a a phase where we had the author present as well, which was quite good. Uh We know quite a lot of people around Bristol who've written books. Um, so we had one in there on networking, one in there on um, uh, culture and recruitment. Um, we had uh, um, <clears throat> a guy called Andy Bounds. So he's he read he wrote a book called Top Dog, and also um, the Jelly Effect and Snowball Effect. I think it's called. Okay. Um, and he's he's hilarious. I mean, he skyped in. And he was, he was incredible. Yeah. We, when we did Top Dog, I mean, Top Dog is about sales. I mean, the principle is, you, if you're a small business, you go into a big prospect and they're the alpha dog and you, you kowtow effectively mm. because you, they're doing you a favor. But his principle is you never thank anybody for their time because why is their time more important than yours? So you, you always, on, a, on at least level standing level playing, yeah. at least a level standing yeah so he came on to, on to skype and uh <clears throat> we'd had a, a sort of probably 20 minute conversation before he skyped in and then it was just everybody was firing questions at him mm. and he was outstanding he's a scouser very broad yeah and he was he was just hilarious absolutely hilarious but he was talking about sales and somebody said what's your conversion rates and he said oh, i convert I said my conversion rate is probably ninety five percent, and he said, "Do you know what?" He said, "I can't understand why it's not <laughs> <laughs> 100
1: oh, Because
0: man. he follows his process. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, I, I follow the process; it, it works, yeah. and ninety five percent of the people I work with buy from me, and I don't understand why I lose. Hey, these are
2: five yeah. percent. You've got to get it right, right at the beginning, though, in the sales process, haven't you? That, you know, that's where the failure often starts. The
1: castle made a sound
2: yeah, yeah it was
0: talked about afters what's the afters right so when you write an email to somebody with a proposal you don't put in the subject proposal you put the afters because they'll read it then yeah so if I put a proposal to you and says you know how I'm going to help you grow the business to five million in three years that's the proposal I write that in the subject you're much more likely to open that than if, it, if it's proposal yeah <laughs> proposal for mean? discussion
1: yes
2: <laughs> that's really dull review and discussion
1: yeah yeah Course. it stirs different emotions doesn't it those yeah. taglines. lines yes yeah. yeah, so, i mean it's all all these insights it was it was extraordinary you it's know, the, little the little
2: things though isn't it you just change the little things and yeah. the margins around around the margins and then all of a sudden things start to work better they do more often mm.
0: they do so it's those little nuggets that's mm. what we're pulling out of the mm. book club and that's what all the people that are coming to the book, book club mm. are pulling out of it as well and we have a, a another contact of ours who's, who's been a client. Um, on a relatively small scale but he runs an employee benefits business employee benefits brokerage in, in Bristol it's a whole market um, but he particularly wants to talk to IFAs because they, they um, he, he he has this sort of white labelling offer and he would be really nervous going into talking to an IFA partner you know, of a, bit of a company that was bigger than him until he read Top Dog and he thought actually I don't need to like that anymore I can go in there uh, equivalent to them because I'm important as well and it changed his whole approach wow you know he felt he felt like an underdog and now he doesn't mm. it's great mm. it's great to see when that happens you know it's great to see that's it's what it's Cool to see
2: people succeeding off the back of what you're doing isn't it yeah yeah, yeah.
0: You know, it doesn't need to be paid for work it can be somebody coming to book club and getting something out of that and succeeding or two p- people meeting at, meeting at a round table and beginning to do business with mm. each other We're quite happy with that, actually. It's
2: good. It's a good outcome.
0: Absolutely.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, um, is it worth focusing a little bit on um, HGKC, and we've kind of danced around it a little bit, but it'd be just good to hear about the business and you know how you work with people just a bit more in in that area. Yeah. Well, we're a
0: management consultancy. Um, We specialize in helping small business owners through their challenges largely small business owners we work we have worked with bigger companies but largely we work, we focus on the SME sector I think where we might differ from the thousands of other companies who give you exactly that same pitch is that Kim and I and James who's, who's with us now we have direct hands-on experience inside of fast-growing companies so before I was self-employed I worked for One of the the times, top one hundred growing companies, and saw it. I think threefold while I was there, staff wise. Okay. Maybe fourfold staff wise. I think there were thirty or forty when I was there, one hundred and ten when the company finally sold, and uh, saw it break, as it did so. Mm -hmm. So all all the fractures, and they were all people, all internal. But um, you know, I mean, the company. It was, it was uh, MBO'd probably about three or four months before I joined. MBO'd for 10 million, five partners and a VC. Okay. Um, and they sold two and a half years later or three years later for 85 million. Wow. So, I mean, m- fantastic, extraordinary multiplier over yeah. such a short period of time. They had uh, a real tech competitive edge in there. And they. They were able to use that to really disrupt the market that they were in, which was in which was in below the line marketing.
2: Right, below the line marketing. Right. So clearly they didn't grow their EBITDA performance by eight times in two and a half years. So they must have grown their multiplier, which they finally sold the business. What was it that they did? to to, well, what was it that they did to increase their multiplier so dramatically? They, they were able
0: to use uh, massively parallel database processing right. to, to process enormous data sets much more accurately and much faster than the competition. Right. So if you're, if you're um, uh, an insurance company, direct marketing, a bank, a telecoms company, Sky, who were one of our big clients mm. at the time, Uh, and you want to uh, mail-shot against a very, very large database, you want to know right now who you can mail to and who you can't, because there are rules about direct marketing. Mm -hmm. So we would process massively, massive databases, but we would also build in a lot of the um, demographic um, uh, uh, stuff as well. So it wasn't just, it wasn't just, you know, gone aways and died and or on the on their on the no mail list we were also helping them understand and narrow down the people that they could they could best target with their direct right. mail so at the time sky were churning so much that they they had to sell more each year you know just to stand still than than the last year because they were losing so many because they were on a, on one year contracts so the, the churn rate was just enormous and um, and we helped them to to deal with that. One of the challenges they had, if they were if they were trying to market into a multi-residential uh, address, they didn't know if anybody in there had had Sky already. So they they couldn't market to existing clients. They had to market. They wanted to market to new clients. We could tell them. They couldn't tell them. So they couldn't. They didn't know that, but well, we could. Um, but no, we. I think we helped. And and interestingly, when when uh, after the company was. Sold in the earnout period, the uh, founder and a number of the key players went to work for Sky right. on the uh, on their uh, um,
2: customer retention team. Well, uh, no, just <laughs> on their
0: in, their information side, yeah, information uh, processing side, yeah. management information team, and customer information in particular.
2: You talk about innovation a lot, don't you? Uh, the Three layers of innovation. I mean, what's your view, broadly speaking, around innovation and its role within? Small small medium organisations, and driving, you know, growth and success. Well,
0: our, our view, Party Line, HGKC Party Line, innovation is for everybody and can be for everything. So well, this is not just about technology. This is about the way you lead, the way you manage, the way you run, the way you run meetings, the way you recruit, the way you do everything. Everything can be innovated or uh, in 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 different ways. The three layers are um, the horizons. Are you familiar with McKinsey's horizon planning? No, so no. so you, you 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 innovate effectively on three horizons. So you innovate on so you have business as usual, which is today, mm. and then horizon one is innovation around those products. So that innovation would be either prolonging their life or increasing their profitability. So Horizon two is the next thing in. So this is stuff that you're probably already working on. How do you get that in? quickly and effectively and horizon Three is blue sky right so if you can and and what's what's interesting about that is if you think about it you need different people to do those things so horizon one you need the people who are currently working on the products who know them who know where their opportunities are but they're not the people who are going to blue sky for you because they're the people you put in a darkened room with a whiteboard and a what
2: next yeah yeah right so that's that's
0: that's quite exciting and we we did uh, we did a big project with a uh, a bristol-based manufacturer who had quite a big r&d department already but wasn't sure whether their r&d department was was really being effective remember they got big tax credits at the end of each year which is great um but they couldn't tell how much of actually what was coming out of r&d was new stuff genuinely new stuff so we went we went in there and we just kind of we did a a whole lot of analysis over, over the projects that they were doing. We then worked with various different streams in the business and helped them to plan out where they wanted those streams to be. So they were food manufacturers or food you know, flavour enhancers. And so we did a piece of work with their bakery products, a piece of work with their chocolate products, a piece of work with chewing gum and, and effectively helped them plan out over three years the things that they needed to do to be where they wanted to be with those, those products. And then we compared the two and said, okay, here's, here's what your R&D team is doing, here's what you think you want them to be doing, and here's the gap. And then we helped them organise around, around the horizons. Right. So there was a big organisational sort of restructuring and design that, that went on in there, and they've moved on quite substantially from that, brought in a new innovations manager, helped them to think more about innovations from a project perspective than you know, a series of loosely related tasks. So it was quite a significant piece of work that we did for them. Um, now a lot, of that, a lot of that innovation was about technology um, but a lot of it was also about how they were organised. So you can't just rely on tech-based innovation, it has to be
2: everything. Because That's where your mind chases to when you talk about innovation. It chases to technology doesn't it? You know, I say naturally, maybe unnaturally uh, but it chases to technology there yeah you're right to say that there's innovation should be happening across the piece really in every aspect of the business i mean recruitment is an interesting one you know i think uh, when i look at our own business here i think the thing that held us back was recruitment was you know not being able not being i think focused enough on it or not being able to recruit the right people, and becoming disheartened with with the whole process. And a good friend of mine, you know, he's a, he he ended up working at Amazon. He was a customer services director at Amazon, but he he was previously customer services director at the book depository, a local business here in Gloucestershire that got acquired by Amazon. So he got. You know, consumed into Amazon, and we'd go out for a beer, and he'd always say to me, I should just get your people right, get your people right, sort your people out, get your pe-. But I couldn't figure it out. I, c- I could hear his words, and I couldn't deny what he was saying to me, but I couldn't get the recruitment piece right. It, it can be
0: really hard. I mean, I remember in the in this fast-growing company, the um, the programming. The, the programming language was Abinitio. Okay. I, if, you, if, you, if you remember Abinitio. So it's one of my favourites. <coughs> I know nothing. I, know, I couldn't read it if, I, if you paid me. But, but the guy doing the recruitment was, was headed the programming team. So he was my, one of my second sort of, uh, uh, in commands. Mm-hmm. And he spent all of his life recruiting because a bit like COBOL programmers just before the millennium, they'd like hen's teeth. They're really, really difficult to find good ones and keep them so we i sat down and said well how can we change this and we we wound up um finding somebody who ran a, a managed recruitment service It was a london-based business because we were in the, in hertfordshire so we were based in hertfordshire london-based business that did managed recruitment so not an agency because he had he had uh agreements with four or five different agencies who were out looking for these people and they were just firing cvs into him all the mm-hmm. time so he spent he spent an inordinate amount of his time playing through CVs and interviewing people. And I said, well, why are you doing that? You know, we're paying you this to, to, to manage this development team, to manage these development projects, and all you're doing is recruiting new people into it. And it just wasn't value-adding work for him. So we found, uh, we, we found this company, and eventually they put a recruitment manager into our company, not employed by us, but a recruitment person in, and... Um, she sat there and just concentrated on recruiting, recruiting these people. It was all she did, um, and it, it, so it took the work away from him. And we we had to do quite a bit of work to to help her understand who we were looking for and what and, and the kind of people we we needed, but she was able to come in there and run and take that work away from this senior bloke in the business, who shouldn't have been doing it. He should yeah. have been concentrating on these development projects because that was where that was what was earning us the money. You know, yeah. we we were declaring, can only declare revenue when the project was delivered so, so, um, but that's an innovative different approach to, to to recruitment. Interestingly the prospect we were talking to this morning does something very similar in Bristol. Right. So she wants to scale, um, we were talking about various ways that she could do that, um, she's not quite a managed recruitment service but she's much more supportive in the approach that she takes to recruitment than an agency would be so she works with people to, to help them put people's strategies together um, to train in how to interview how to write proper job descriptions how to I- identify the competencies that you need as well as the skills that you want you know or how to train to develop those so that's an innovative approach to to recruitment so we're really excited that, that she's going to become a client of ours yeah. to help us to, so that we can help her to, to achieve what she wants to be, and she's got phenomenal potential because outside of London there are very few companies that do it.
2: Right, okay Good. I mean we, I mean we took you know once you realize that you're struggling around it, our innovation, and I don't know if it is the right expression or not, having just listened to you, but we were our, we were struggling to deliver the service because the recruitment was failing. So we took a strong decision then to uh, partner with an organisation to deliver that service. So the requirement for recruitment in that area ceased, stopped, because we were now partnering for delivery of that service. Uh, The service level went up through the roof. Uh, The focus and attention into that area went. So we're now able to turn focus and attention into other areas which meant we were we were recruiting stronger into the more business critical areas which has allowed the business to kind of go. So it's uh, solving the recruitment problem in a different way. Yeah,
1: It's still an innovation. It's still oh, an innovation, absolutely. Open innovation, isn't it? Or yeah. collaboration. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. You
0: know, collaboration is, especially with small businesses, collaboration is a, a massive thing. If you, you are not in isolation mm. and if you try and if you try and work on that basis, you will eventually fail. I mean, at the end of the day, if you're not innovating, you're going backwards in my mind or in um, our minds generally. Um,
2: if you're not moving forward, you're going backwards for sure. Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah. So, um, I mean, moving, moving back to um, here in the present day, I mean, if, Peter, you had any advice on what coming out of this period or if we are coming out of this period at this present, point in time what, what would it be
0: well oh, i suppose are we coming out of this period <laughs> is, a, is a bit of a question we could probably spend quite a long time on it but is. let's put that to one side i i think i think that business has changed forever over this period i think if we'd been locked down for two or three weeks and then and then everybody had gone back to work everybody would have gone back to work and not thought about it but it's not been the case. It's been six months, and it's going to be longer. And that means, whereas before we had this, this kind of idea that people could work flexibly and work from home, but a lot of businesses didn't really trust that their people would work if they were working from home, they've really not had any choice over the last few few months. And most most people have worked properly from home when they've been allowed to work. So I think that that is going to change. So I think what we're going to see is um, significant change in the way office space is used. So this idea of hybrid space, so you can have some people in the office, some people work from home, and, you know, if you've got more space than you thought you you now need because of that, people are going to be looking at how they can make that use of that space in different ways. So innovation spaces and collaboration spaces and things like that, even subletting to smaller businesses who are maybe in your in your kind of community creating a bubble yeah mm-hmm. so i think um you know we we're talking quite a bit about innovation i think if you're a business owner looking at the future now you've got to be thinking about who's really your target market now is it the same as it was before are they looking for the same things that they were looking for from you or from you know the sector that you're in how could you do th- how could you deliver differently um how could you what are, what new things could you offer that you weren't offering before? So for us, pre lockdown, our business was face to face with our clients, always, and we thought that was the best way to do it. First week of lockdown, I had five client sessions to deliver, but I couldn't go and face them anymore. I couldn't go and be face to face, so I had to do it online. Now it was a bit Heath Robinson that first week, but we've we've researched my my business partner Kim. She's she's heavily into some of these sort of uh, Tech collaborative platform. So she's done lots of research. Uh, we use a tool called Mural. Yeah. If you've come across that, it's really good. Um, um, and we are now delivering in a different way. So I, I like to say, you know, pre-lockdown, we were a company that focused on the southwest. We're global now.
1: <laughs>
0: we are. We, we a, yeah, We we just want to just want a client in London. <clears throat> um, we're talking to somebody in. Northamptonshire about potentially joining us as an associate partner um, so you can we, we're thinking about doing things in a different way pre-lockdown you look at our accounts biggest number in our accounts every month was personal travel
2: mm.
0: every month not now apart from today I've driven up here today but you know my car hardly leaves to drive um, I don't think I think it's very rare that I will travel to see a prospect I can talk to them on zoom Um, I might travel to them to deliver up front the first bit of work but then after that we'll do do online and then we might meet quarterly or even half yearly depending on what we're doing. So it's going to transform our business completely, the way we deliver, the way we work with people. Uh, And we've spent a lot of time over the last three or four months thinking about how we can do things differently. So we're really keen now to get in and really disrupt the professional services sector and we're beginning to gather around us some people who we think can like think like us and can help us to do that. Mm. And we might all wind up in one company together.
2: Mm.
0: So next year, HGKC I think will be quite a different beast than it is this year. But it's quite exciting, Mm. quite exciting times. So I think if business owners aren't thinking like that, then. They might well wind up, as you were pointing out, Nigel, one of those companies that don't make it. Mm, Especially at the small business end. Yeah, yeah. I mean, big big companies have got deeper pockets.
2: Yeah. We we were talking about our addressable market today, on the call before the Zoom call, but it was a Teams call before we came in here. You know, five of us on the call, four of us in different locations. You know. Traditionally focused 60 miles from the office because that's how people like to buy. Actually, let's go national. You know, it's, why not? The, the marketing channels are available for you to do that. There's no discrimination in that respect. Uh, the attitude and culture has shifted to allow you to do it, and the technology supports it. Why wouldn't you do it? I mean, you'd be mad not to. You know, I'm going to double, quadruple. 10 times your addressable market you know okay let's do that why not why
0: not yeah Yeah, i mean and i think i think you can now i mean we we it's not that we didn't talk to companies outside of the southwest before lockdown we did so we we had long conversations with a company up in newcastle company in brighton a couple of companies in london that we've talked to but at the end of the day they've not it's not really gone anywhere because for us to Go up to Newcastle to deliver a half day or, or or whatever, even a day. There's a lot of added cost at front and end in terms of travel to to be able to do that. And you know there are a lot of companies like us around. I, I might I might say they're probably not as good as us, but there are a lot of companies that do what we do. So why would a company in Newcastle choose us?
2: Mm. They just
0: you know we'd say well you won't get as good from from somebody locally, but actually they'll say are you you know two three times the the, the price better and the probability is no really to be honest probability is and not you respect
2: the competition
0: absolutely yeah and and you've got to respect i mean we're not in the business of putting our clients out of business mm. so why would why would we impose all that extra cost because we'd have to charge travel time and certainly travel costs we would have to charge and we might have to charge travel time as well otherwise we can't survive why would we do that
2: but it's the energy it's your energy. It's your employees' energies. The business's energy in travelling, 150, 200 miles up to Newcastle and then back again. That just sucks energy. It's tiring, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. I mean, in my, in my younger days, I'd have done that, <laughs> done that in a day, but not <laughs> anymore <you> know. <laughs> I, don't, I don't want to do that yeah, now. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and all that time, the you know, roads are busy—or less busy now—but they're busy. Mm. And there's perennial roadworks, constant roadworks on the motorway. So why would you do that? And, but now we can, we have a legitimate offer for, for that, for that business. Now we can say, yeah. we'll come up and see you once or twice a year, but otherwise we're talking to you over Zoom or Mural or Teams or whatever it is, whatever platform it is that we're going to use. And we have learned that we can be just as effective with our clients online as yeah. we can be face to face. And I think that's a significant move for us and, and that has led us now to the conversations we're beginning to have with three or four other organizations or individuals within organizations that are thinking about leaving them for us to create a a professional services business that is squarely faced at disrupting the professional services sector. And that includes accountancy and commercial insurance and well. goodness knows, you know, for the for the small for the small business for the small business owner, but we think we can we we've got something there that we can just And there needs to be some with.
2: disruption in that space. There does. There does there does in, in, but,
0: and particularly in, in accountancy and commercial insurance. Yeah. Because yeah, yeah, it's dominated yeah. by the big players who've been doing things that way for years and years yeah. and years and years. And I know I know an accountancy practice in, in Bristol where half the board think that M T D isn't going to change anything. Right.
1: But
2: well,
0: they are they are so short sighted if that's what okay. they think. Yeah. Because MTD basically oh, MTD, sorry, that making the, sorry making tax digital. Oh,
2: okay, right. Okay. Got you.
0: So eventually HMRC is going to be taking your yeah. tax off you quarterly. Yeah.
2: Well, it, yeah. At the moment and you make a, the transaction. Ultimately. Yeah. yeah. And
0: and your accountant is going to be seriously seriously challenged to justify why they're charging you that amount of money for doing your annual accounts. And I think we've seen significant disruption in the legal sector. I think yeah. we're going to see significant disruption in the accounting sector. The big players are going to swallow up some of the medium players that can't do it. And the small ones are going to go out of business. Yeah. You know, because, yeah. they're, because they're, they'll they'll retire. They don't want the competition anymore. So they'll sell their book of business to somebody else.
2: They haven't got the energy. No. Yeah, yeah. No. Uh, but but there is
0: significant change coming in that sector. And I think... You know, we've got, a, we've got a very close tie with an accountant and we think we can work with him to, to make some significant changes there. And commercial insurance is exactly the same. A lot of big players out there who are pretty ruthless in terms of the way they, they operate. You know, they'll, they, they'll rarely review whether you've got the right insurance, whether you've got the right terms, whether you're actually covering the right things. Because just they'll just renew, you, because they just renew you every year and renew and renew and renew, I mean, and as cost, long as you're prepared to pay, whilst you're prepared to pay, yeah, they'll carry on doing it.
2: And the cost of the customer, relatively speaking, is low. The cost of failure would be high, yeah. you know. But the cost, so, they, so, they don't want to put the effort in, so they just, they just auto renewed, it, yeah. I wanted you to forget about it, didn't they? Yeah. And, and, the, and the big players will put you junior
0: know. people on your, once they've won you, they'll, mm-hmm. they'll just give you junior people yeah. to look at your, your particular needs. Not much training required? No. Or, no. Renew this person's premium, you have a quick call with them, we're keeping them with the same cover as last year. Okay, thanks. <laughs> yeah. No, they, they don't know. I, mean, I mean, it's been re- really interesting actually, all the, all the companies that suddenly realised they weren't covered for, for cancellations.
2: Yes. And
0: business interruption. Because the terms were vague, mm-hmm. and they've not been they've not been out of cover. So we work with the, the in the network group. Or you might have met her when you came and visited Emily. Yes. Kenner. Yes. So yeah, she's she's a tiny business, startup business, but she's ex Gallagher an ex company in Worcester, quite a big company in Worcester as well. Um, and she really she she's making a significant difference in this sector because she will look at your terms. She will look at your cover. And she might say to you, you're, you're better off staying where you are, or uh, I, can, I can get you a better deal. But she'll also, you know, she provides hand-holding during claims and things like that, which a lot of companies do these days. But, but she's just looking at things in a completely different way. The opposite direction, isn't it? Completely the opposite direction. Yeah. So we want, we want to work closely with her. Now, whether that's in joint venture or part of us, I don't know yet. That's, that's, yeah. The structure of it is neither here nor there, really. It's about, can we come up with a business model that really disrupts across a broad range of professional services and we think we can.
2: Any automation in there?
0: There will be. Mm. I need to talk to you about our systems actually at some point. Because we don't have uh, a tech architecture that scales right now. That's going to work for you uh, moving forward. It's not going to scale. Yeah. So, yes, we have to look at things like that as well. No, I'm, yeah, I'm <laughs> <on the> <laughs>
1: So <clears throat> I thought we, we might be a bit small for you, though, <laughs> at the moment. <laughs> I mean, we can do the deal now. Yeah, right. Right. We're next more, next we're year will be interested. bigger.
2: We're more interested in your ambition than, than yeah. you size. Ambition absolutely. is huge.
0: Yeah, yeah, ambition good. is huge. no
1: question about that. Good. That's really good to hear.
2: Yeah. Exciting. So um, exciting, yes. So and all, all born out of a crisis. That's what I like. That's, that's the kind of cherry well, on the was cake. Was it all it? born out
1: of a crisis? Or well, would, there, would this be happening now without it?
2: Uh,
0: possibly. We might not be as far down the road with it's it. Though, because it, yeah. my mm-hmm. business partner and I, every two years, we go for a, a couple of days away. We go to the same place down in Somerset. Beautiful hotel with fantastic grounds. And we just kind of immerse ourselves in thinking about the business and what we want from it. And we're pretty honest with each other about what's working and what's not working. And we got down there in January, went down in January, last week of January this year. So COVID was, was, was beginning to show its ugly face across Europe, but it hadn't reached here. Mm-hmm. And we, we did include that in the conversation. But actually, we were thinking about, you know, the way we'd, we'd structured the business in the last couple of years just wasn't working the way we wanted it to work. We had a whole bunch of associates, but we were feeding them. There wasn't any mutual sort of, um, there, wasn't, there wasn't a, a, a collective approach to, to building new business mm. we just they, they just weren't interested in doing it so we were doing all the business development and they were saying thanks very much that doesn't work it's not scalable mm. it can't work that way so we went down and came up with this new approach so uh, we've, we've had a, a number of interesting conversations with people who might now join us as what we're now calling associate partners which is which is uh, they're motivated now to 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 uh, win business for us as a collective, whereas before they weren't. So that's moving forward quite nicely. But also a couple of other companies uh, we've said why are we not together? And we're in we're in reasonably advanced merger tools with a with a business that does something quite different but complementary with us. So there's a lot there are lots of really exciting things going on. So ambition, huge. But it has to be collective, so we've got to go through a process, so we've got to actually do what we do for our clients, for ourselves now. So what's the vision, mm. what's the business model, mm. how can we, where can we innovate? And that process is, is beginning to get underway. By the end of the year, hopefully we'll have a business model and then we can say, okay, now we've got this, what's the structure going to look like? Is it going to be all in HGKC or is it going to be a strategic partnership with with each other? And we don't know that yet. And, and actually right now it's not relevant, it doesn't matter. Mm. It's, can we do it first? Can we do it together first? But if we can, yeah, watch this space. Excellent. And, and we'll be talking to you about our IT before then, I think. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well,
1: that's the key component that you'll get that bit right. So. It
0: is It is very key. And, and we're, we're very conscious of the fact that right now, even inviting somebody else in as an associate partner is not, not easy.
2: Mm. Oh, yeah, and I think... You know around the launch of our first digital brand uh, I think it's the innovation around technology that will you know we have got no doubt is supporting and will continue to support the growth really so, so I, I think today.
0: there's possibly opportunities for us to talk more about yeah. what you're doing there and yeah. how that might might fit into what we're thinking about as well
2: probably got a couple of weeks before we can uh, we got wrapped I got wrapped on the knuckles today <laughs> By who? Yeah. <laughs> By Julie. <laughs> slow down. <laughs> <laughs> you don't like to slow down, then? No, do you? I don't I like it. Have like yeah. it now. <laughs> <Yeah>.
1: <laughs> the meaning of the word. <clears throat> right. So I'd like to ask you a few questions to get to know the real Peter now. So, what? Um, who would win in a fight between a, a gorilla and a crocodile? I think a gorilla you need to defend
0: your position i i watched um um king kong
2: <laughs> okay and, and king, <laughs> king, well king kong versus godzilla is the very matchup you've just suggested yeah
1: or it would win, win between those two king, king kong, kong godzilla yeah. godzilla
2: man oh king kong king kong is good good always prevails over evil is godzilla
1: evil well,
0: yeah it is in my book
1: yeah see yeah,
0: yeah. King Kong is King Kong is uh, King Kong is, uh, is misunderstood. Exactly, it is. I agree. King Kong, and that's and that's why he's the way he is because he's exactly. just misunderstood. Yeah, yeah. People don't <laughs> get him.
1: I see a lot of similarities with <laughs> <for> himself.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: yeah, I think. I mean, if you watched um, King Kong, you know, with the one with, with Jack Black and mm. Mm. yeah, with the that was with a T Rex, not a crocodile,
1: but crocodiles are smaller. Yeah.
2: Well, you've just got to figure out they can't open their mouths. They're only good at closing them, they're no good at opening them.
1: How about in a swamp-type
2: environment? In a swampy mm-hmm. environment, you'd have to go with a crocodile. Mm-hmm. But in a wrestling ring, you'd have to go with a gorilla. <laughs> Which is where this is. Of so course. Yeah. Did we not the, say that? The octagon.
1: I was <laughs> 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 uh-huh. worry about that question of the an animal rights activists <laughs> coming out. They'll be fine. There we go. All right. So, um, well, it's usually a gladiator arena, but we can change it to the octagon if you like. Um, you're in a fight to death. Fight to the death. Uh, we don't know who with, um, and you've only got regular garden equipment at your disposal. What's your weapon of choice? One weapon. Just one. Well, you can just say what you like. Yeah, I mean, yeah, fine, you can bring I mean, a. <laughs> have we got, got a power source? We Let's make it whatever you like, you can have a power source, it can be petrol-based, not not a chainsaw, because I think that's the winner, anything but a chainsaw. Might be a nail gun. Ooh. Mm, is that? If you're putting fences up, it yeah, is. Yeah, for, 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 put, for putting fences up.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. It's, a DIY it's, too, it's innovative
1: thinking there Peter. a, a nail gun
2: i like a nail gun but they scare me as well that change calls scare me nail gun scare me
0: yeah i don't know i don't have one i wouldn't have one mm. it would scare me mm. i'd wind up saying is it on yeah <laughs> all
2: in the all in the forehead yeah so um, a nail
0: gun possibly or a shovel
1: Was is a quite a good mm. which, yeah you could have both. That'd be a good combo because sure. you have the uh, range thing then with the nail yeah. gun, and 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 the shovel could also work as a shield. Yeah, because you have got, got to think about the reload speed of the nail gun. Because if you miss, like if it's like a it's
2: not one nail at a time. If it's you don't put one nail at a time. You have like a like a old <laughs> yeah, chain, a then. semi-automatic. Like a, nail well, that's, gun. that's what they are. Semi-automatic. That's exactly right. what
0: they are. Yeah. It's like a Gatling gun.
2: Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Oh
1: gosh! Yeah. yeah. So I, we'll I need, nail it! I need I, I need <laughs> I <have> a hammer. <laughs> I need to, I need an assistant to hold the hold the uh, nail cartridges. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, I think that's the the most well, well, innovative like answer. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, I like that. So, what do you think would be humanity's reaction to the discovery of extraterrestrial life?
0: Um. I think that that depends on is this a genuine discovery yes or is this an announcement from the usa
1: it's, it's, well, it's a big ufo just appeared oh okay let's go for that
0: so we're talking uh um intelligent yeah
2: they try and fire a new potentially well, I I think potentially think intelligent
0: and potentially not, not very nice hostile well, yeah uh fear i think is probably the fear thing, i that think fear it. fear if, follow- if they're here yeah. ufo's here yeah. i think fear followed by aggression almost certainly yeah we'll Get <laughs> I mean, the nukes
1: out i mean if they're aggressive then them. If they're aggressive and they manage to get here then it doesn't really matter what our reaction will but, be, does it uh, we need uh, we need yeah. bruce we need bruce, bruce willis or, or will smith or will smith that was the other one will smith yeah yeah, yeah. he sent them a virus didn't he uh, it was uh, it was uh, Jeff Goldblum yeah, was that virus, sent them yeah. the virus. Yeah, him and Will, Will Smith throw, just piloted
0: yeah. it and smoked the cigar on the way back. Yeah, yeah,
1: he's the boss for them. Mm.
2: But I I think if they've got here that they're intelligent, and I don't know why. I'd like to think that you associate intelligence. We use the word humanity, but with kindness. So that if they were intelligent, peacefulness. At peacefulness, at least, peacefulness yeah. As your first pitch, because that is the clever well, approach.
0: Well, that, that would be, but but equally I think you have to look at humanity. Thick. And we <laughs> consider ourselves to be intelligent. <laughs> yeah. Are we always kind?
2: No. But um, I, think, I think we're intelligence beyond our scope of what we think. But yeah, anyway. I mean,
0: a higher intelligence, you would hope so. Yeah. I, st- I still think fear first and aggression second. Yeah,
2: yeah. <laughs> ours, of course.
0: Yes, and and then, depending on the response, panic.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: Which could get quite ugly then, I think. And then forgiveness. Or prayer. Yeah. Probably the same thing, actually. Yeah. I don't know.
2: Mm. Well, the way the world's
1: going is probably going to be on Wednesday. We'll find out. <laughs> but, but equally, if the announcement
0: is from the US or China, then the first probably
1: response is disbelief, mm. unless you can see it. Well, that's what, yeah, fake news and the misinformation of the world today, mm. then, yeah. Yeah, yeah. certain individual in the White House says, we have discovered. No. we we'll have to find out more on our dark web podcast to find out the real truth.
2: <laughs> our conspiracy theory podcast, I'd like one of those. The tin full hat What's your favourite conspiracy theory?
0: I don't hold with them, actually, to be mm. honest with you. Elvis is still alive. I'll ask you what yours is like. <laughs> I don't, honestly, don't spend a lot of time.
2: Well, it's a dangerous hole to disappear down. I mean, it's a time-consuming hole. Yeah. I've got a few friends and some relatives that are up to their neck in it. So I kind of get bombarded with it. And when it comes at you, it's a bit irresistible because it offers some kind of explanation as to what's going on when you look at things and you think, well, that's unbelievable. I don't believe that. I can't believe that. Like
0: COVID is caused by 5G.
2: Well, that's one of them, isn't it? I mean, it's not one I subscribe to particularly. It's not what I subscribe to. I mean, (laughs) it's just nonsense, isn't
0: it? Or COVID doesn't exist. It's all made up.
2: Well, that's not what I subscribe to either. No. But I mean, yeah.
0: these—I—I—I—I f- fail to get my—I don't understand how people can take that position, really. Mm. So I don't—I don't hold with conspiracy theories because, as you say, it's a dangerous hole. You just get sucked right into mm. it. Mm. And I listen. I also have family that—that that, uh, sometimes will make statements like that.
1: And I think just grow up. Mm. I, think I think we all do. Don't we all have those that? kind of family members?
2: Paul's got lots of
1: those. (laughs) (laughs) I'm secretly that guy, but (laughs) I don't know. I'm not, not at all. Mm. Um, Good. So, if you had the choice between two superpowers, being visible or flying, which would it be? Being invisible or flying? Yes.
0: I think flying. I, Where would you fly to? Around the world. Because <laughs> <laughs> I cannot bear
1: queuing in airports.
2: By <laughs> dislike of queuing. By dislike of Ryanair.
1: I mean, I think you'd have to be able to fly pretty fast, wouldn't you? Like, because if it was, you flew at five mile an hour, that would be fairly. <laughs> it would take you a long time. Do you know what I mean? Like, it would take you a long time even to get over to over the over to France yes. at that rate, wouldn't it? Yeah. yeah.
0: so I'd like to have a little bit of pace, pace about it, but okay but suitably protected from the uh, the, the, the uh, solar winds and
2: <laughs> the appropriate suit would you like to fly at Mach 2 or Mach 3 i don't know
0: can you really fly faster than the speed of sound wouldn't that uh, give you some damage i don't know <laughs> depends on your suit i suppose so yeah, yeah. how fast can um how fast can uh, iron man fly
2: faster than that
0: really
1: what is Mach, is it a
2: 1,000 kilometers twice the speed of sound, isn't it? I don't know. Mach like, Mac 1 is the
0: speed of sound, isn't it? Yeah. Which is 512?
2: Well, it's 330 meters a second. I'm not quite sure how that translates to miles per hour, but a jet flies at around 550 miles an hour, doesn't it? A yeah. normal jet. I think, I want to say Concorde probably flew at 1,200, something like that. Yeah,
0: but it was through Mach 1 by then.
2: Yeah. I've yeah. flown on Concorde. Flown ah, very good. I've sat in it and filtered. <laughs>
1: and the fighter pilots get about Mach two, and they the F fifteens and that. It's
2: like,
0: yeah, it's moving a bit. I think it's five hundred and something miles an hour, I think it's um, not far out not past not far past that. But you, of course if you're flying at, at Mac one you don't hear the sonic boom, do you? Because it's behind you. It's behind you. You've left it way. behind.
1: Mm. Literally. Exactly, yeah. That's <laughs> strange. Gosh. And last question then, so why are manholes round Mm. i think peter will know this one he'll figure it out won't he yeah (laughs) yeah
2: don't pressure peter
0: (laughs) (laughs) um i have no idea
1: actually why manholes round because they'd be man squares i suppose if they were um, (laughs) i mean that's the good first answer but if they are square there's a possibility that the cover can fall down
2: fall into the hole.
0: Is that right? Is that right? Yeah.
2: Whereas a round one can't fall into the hole. I'm just thinking about... Surely, the surely... Oh, here there we go. <laughs> surely
0: there, there's a lip inside the hole that, <laughs> the, that the manhole cover sits on, so the so the diameter of the hole is narrower slightly than... Slightly smaller. Slightly smaller than the, the diameter of the manhole yeah, cover. Yeah, yeah. Could you not apply that to a square?
2: No. Because you could twist a square into a position where the diagonal, you're never going to make the diagonal the same longer than one of the sides.
0: Mm, I never knew that. Mm. Even if there's a lip. Well, I suppose you could make the lip big enough. That well, I it mean, it would become a bit
2: unfunctional, wouldn't it?
0: Yeah, you would be able to get in it then. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I didn't know that. I, didn't know. I must say I'd not given it a great deal of thought before. You started, won't give it any more
2: thought when you walk out <laughs> of this Well, no, this is
0: a, this is a fantastic <laughs> new piece of information. Relighting
1: like people. And, um, Brilliant. All the right. educational side of this podcast. <laughs> yes, yes. Well, um, that, well, that's wonderful. Thanks for coming on, Peter.
0: My pleasure. Thank you. It's been really good. Thank you very much indeed. Yeah, i enjoyed great it. Great fun.